0: Good evening and we are thankful for the crowd gathered here this evening pretty good crowd especially on such a busy day as we noted this morning but we're thankful very much for your attendance tonight Uh, we had a good day this morning and hopefully you've had a good lord's day I would reiterate just one more time as I was even talking to Jerry this morning in the lobby, if you have any questions on anything that we discussed this morning or any of the numbers or facts and figures, he was talking about how, mentioned to me, uh, you know, how a lot of those have gone up and down over the years with different things we've supported. Uh, and so if you have any questions about anything, the elders certainly welcome that and uh, appreciate so much their work and the work of all the men as we were able to meet and talk about all those things and, and the future of this good congregation. And we look forward to continuing to work together in this year. Uh, tonight we're going to continue with a series that we're going to kind of just do maybe once a month or so uh, based on how things go, but continue this one word study, which I mentioned to you was put together a few years ago by some of the folks in the Mount Juliet Middle Tennessee area. Uh, you may have heard, I've heard several congregations that use this. It was meant to be a 52 a week study. Uh, but I thought we'd kind of do it just once a month or so. Uh, I've heard different congregations that did that. Every Sunday night they would look at a different word, and there's encouragement there. But I, I kind of like being able to, to look at some different things over the course of the month and the year. Uh, but I'd like for us to kind of take a look at this. So sometimes, uh, as you see, I'll put up on the screen here, it says week two. Uh, and that is the way the study goes. But we're going to kind of take it on a monthly basis. When we think about the word creation... Many people spend their time asking, where did I come from? Why am I here? Uh, what am I supposed to do? Where am I going? All those, those deep questions that we sometimes think about in our life. And throughout history, mankind and, and the human race has searched for answers for those kinds of things. Now, they've searched for answers to life's most important questions. And of course, the way that we answer those questions is important because it sort of factors into uh, the course our lives will take. For instance, when we think about this word creation, you know, basically we kind of categorize everyone into two groups. Number one, there are those who primarily believe, and it's sort of the atheistic idea, uh, that humans are a product of random chance. Uh, of chance processes that have been going on for eons that that you know billions of years ago there was a huge explosion that brought our universe into existence and and in the distant future our universe will suffer a heat death and all our life will be exterminated and, and there's really just you know hundreds of variations on that kind of idea and of course according to that view and why that matters is because ultimate or ultimately the ultimate purpose for humanity is there's no meaning in life. I mean, why, why does it matter if we came from an explosion and we're just eventually running down to this terrible, you know, heat kind of death, maybe related to the sun or whatever? Why, why does it matter? But of course, the other side of the coin or the equation there is, is what the Bible presents. And what we really want to take a look at for a few moments together this evening, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is kind of a continuation a little bit of our study last week or last month on Genesis as sort of the book of the month, but at the same time, we're going to move further into the Bible and think about this particular idea or word of creation. You know, I think about the phrase or the, that we know so well, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. We think about this idea that even our founding fathers used the idea of creation and a creator. And so we've somehow gotten away from that a little bit. But tonight we want to kind of talk about that from a biblical point for just a few moments. Tonight we're going to begin by looking at a couple of the words that are used in the Bible. Uh, we might call them maybe not the most important, but important words. The first one is one of the Hebrew terms, and it is, and I'm not very good at pronouncing things sometimes, but bara, or something along those lines. This is a, a verb in the Hebrew that is means to create, simply to create. But what's interesting is, if you've got your Bible actually, be turning to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 45 with me for just a moment. What's interesting about this particular word is that God is always the subject of the expression God is always the subject of the expression when this word is used in the Hebrew language. In chapter 45, I kind of picked this particular passage out because it should mean something for all of our friends on Wednesday night who we've been looking at the book of Daniel. And with the book of Daniel, we've talked about the world powers of the course of history. We've talked about all the kings that have arisen and how God ultimately knows that and he's in charge of that. In chapter 45, we read about a man named Cyrus. Cyrus was God's instrument. Cyrus was in power, but God knew that. And in verse number 7 of Isaiah 45, the Bible says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. And you even go down to verse 8. Rain down, you heavens from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open. Let them bring forth salvation and let righteousness spring up together I the Lord have created it so every time we see this particular Hebrew term and again there's others that are used even there in the book of Genesis but this particular expression always uses God as the subject and so it's probably one of the most significant of the four hebrew words that's used as it appears in some of the most crucial crucial passages and has some of the most far-reaching implications when we think about the way the old testament uses this idea of create or creation the second word that we'd look at is from the new testament from the greek and it is katizo. And it is, again, to create or to establish. If you've got your Bibles, look with me in Ephesians. First of all, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10. Again, this is maybe not the most important word to use in this idea. There are others, but like the Hebrew term that's on the screen there, this Greek word is only used in the creative acts of God in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10. Perhaps you've heard it. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Go over to chapter 4 of Ephesians and verse number 24. Ephesians 4, 24. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. We're going to talk about the new man and the new creature in just a moment to conclude our lesson. But we've discussed that before. But this idea of create or establish, and again, being used in the creative acts of God in the New Testament. When we think about creation and created and even creature, we think about so many different passages. But these are just a couple of the words that are used both in the Hebrew and the Greek both of them to to create or to establish, and both of them specifically uh, used there in the expression in talking about God. I would also share with you a familiar phrase that you may have heard before, uh, but the idea or the description of creation in Scripture is ex nihilo, which is from the Latin, uh, which comes from the idea of out of nothing. You may have heard that before uh, when it comes to, Creation, and especially in there in the idea in Genesis, that God created the material universe without the use of pre-existing materials. He did not use anything that was already in existence. And so we kind of have to maybe, you know, rub your temples for a minute here because it gets a little hard to imagine, you know, somebody creating something out of nothing it doesn't make sense in our our finite human minds but a couple of points tonight to consider some implications from this idea of ex nihilo or God creating something out of nothing number one sorry go backwards there number one first creation of ex nihilo emphasizes God's necessary existence God is uncreated Again, we're talking about creating things, but God is uncreated. He is eternal, which means he has no beginning point or no end point. And again, I kind of put my hands and say, okay, this really hurts my head to try to comprehend something that has no point like that. But God is, has a necessary existence. He is uncreated, so that means that all other things are created. All other things in the universe are contingent upon his Existence. Everything is grounded in God's creative action. I mean, we read Genesis 1 and it, and it, you know, it means something to us. We read the first couple of chapters and it, we kind of, you know, we, we get it, but out of nothing. So God has a necessary existence. But number two, it highlights the doctrine of divine freedom. Think about it. God chose, freely chose, to create something distinct from himself. He had the divine freedom in creation. He freely created finite persons in his image to invite them into a loving relationship with himself. Let's say it again. He freely created finite persons in his image to invite them into a loving relationship with him. Why would that be needed to be said again? Well, because of all the things I could create if, I, if it were at my fingertips. I don't know that I would create people that are going to constantly disappoint me, right? And constantly cause problems. We talked last week there about the book of Genesis. You know, God creates everything. He makes it so wonderful. And then man messes it up. God had the freedom. And he freely chose with his divine freedom to create man. To welcome this loving relationship that we can have with this great God. With no ending, no beginning. Who created everything out of nothing. But number three this evening. It exhibits God's supreme power. This idea of out of nothing. Ex nihilo. Exhibits God's supreme power. If God desired to create. But could only do so. If there happened to be some pre-existing matter. Then he would not be all powerful. Alright again we get a little deep there. but, But he would not be all powerful. If he could only take what was in front of him. And make something out of it. However, his ability to simply speak the world into existence is, uh, you know, we can't comprehend that kind of power. It it sort of boggles our mind to try to grasp at this idea of how big and how powerful God must be to speak the world into existence. It's irrational to say something from nothing. Because of our scientific discussion and what we know, we would tell anybody else that's crazy. But when it comes to God and his, his divine freedom, his power, well, now we're talking about something a little different. And tonight, I think it's important as we think about creation to remind ourselves. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 4 says, For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. We don't have to see the architect or the construction crew to know they exist. All we have to see is the structure that they built. When we think about the power of God, it's, it's something to behold, even there in Genesis and even all throughout the Bible as we think about this word. The other thing that this particular study does, and, and I'd like to share with you from time to time, is there's a, a word study book, if you will, and then there's a, do- a devotional book, and so one particular author takes, uh, you know, a, a five-day series there and writes uh, a few thoughts for a person to consider every day. And I'd like to share a few of those, or at least the scriptures that go along with them here this evening as we go through the end of our lesson. First of all, if you've got your Bible, Colossians chapter 1 and verses 15 through 17. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. You know, in today's world of business and and international business, we're familiar with the idea of a CEO, a chief executive officer, the person who makes the decisions behind all the the large workings of a business. Uh, In fact, this person's often, you know, super intelligent, a mover and a shaker, we might say, knows how to get things done uh, in multi-million or multi-billion dollar companies, They kind of have that net worth about them. I sometimes look at those people, you know, you see them on TV, and I'm like, man, what it would take to to keep all that going and running in that kind of sense. When the power and authority of a business, uh, that a business has, it's in the CEO, and the CEO has power, but of course it's limited for which the company they work. You think about Apple. Computers. You think about, uh, you know, U.S. Bank. the 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 president or the CEO of U.S. Bank doesn't tell Apple how to do their business, or or vice versa, or uh, you know, the CEO of Coca Cola or pick, pick any product or any type of group. It doesn't go across to the different companies. The CEO is in charge simply of what they can do in their company. But of course, there is one CEO, one chief executive officer, the one who created all things that. Has no limitations. In Colossians one fifteen and 16 there. And into verse 17. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. Over all creation. For by him all things were created. That are in heaven and that are on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things Consist. It's it's because of God. It's because of God the creator creating things that, that He brought it all into existence. He is the one who controls it all. You know, I think many times of the phrase that, that of course moms like to use, you know, very seriously, I brought you into the world and I can take you out of it, right? I got a few nods from a few moms there. Yes, we say that. You know, you're the creator, you have the power. Well, when we think about the power of God, the creator. The firstborn over all creation, the invisible, the visible, all things created through Him and for Him. There is no business, as we use the phrase and the idea of a CEO. There is no business in the entire creation, in this entire physical universe, or of the spiritual world that are out of His jurisdiction. Jurisdiction. He is the CEO, if you will, of all creation. He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. We would do well and the world would do well to think about that, to recognize the authority of Jesus, the part that he played in that. Many people forget the creator, forget what the Bible has to say about that, and maybe that's part of the reason our world gets things twisted so many times. Number two, in this particular section of verses here, Romans chapter 1 and verse number 20. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 20. Currently in the United States, unbelief and and non-religion, so kind of grouping those together, non-belief or unbelief and non-religion are the fastest growing religions, if you will, in the country. You know, there are many skeptical organizations that continue to pop up by the hundreds on our university campuses and many places in our communities. In fact, there are more than 20 million, 20 million U.S. citizens that claim to be agnostics and atheists. And of course our current generation of of teenagers are dealing with unbelief on a scale that that many of you would, would say is unprecedented. That you could never imagine looking around and seeing a country, a group of people who had so much unbelief. But of course one of the things that's at the root of this, and we've already talked about it just a few moments ago, is the concept of a divine creator. A God who created the world, who has made all of these things. Of of course, in truth, there's more than enough evidence for us to know for a fact that a divine creator exists. We think about Romans chapter 1 there in verse number 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse when we see a laptop on a table we know there are and were intelligent men and women who designed and manufactured it yet the human brain is the most advanced computer system that anyone has ever seen and when we see a prosthetic hand that may be used we know there were some engineers Behind it, Just one look at our regular human hand shows the superiority of that over any kind of prosthetic that we can make, even as advanced as they are. I think I could sit and talk to Bill for hours about scientific things that he has known and, and the examples that he's used before. When we think about the human body and the human mind, I know you've heard it from him before, but, but how many things there are that exist and the hallmarks and the fingerprints of God all over his design. I, I, I don't understand how people can go the opposite direction of that. But when we read even verses like Romans one twenty, we are reminded of that, of God, of his invig- invisible attributes, of his handiwork. I think about Psalm chapter 19 and verse number 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. It's amazing. Again, w- even with our finite, simple minds, we could not even come up with something so amazing and so wonderful The creator who made this great creation. It's important for us to consider that. And then finally this evening, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17. You know, we've got a few young kids here tonight and and, uh, we've talked a lot about how great it is to have them here. Uh, One of the negative things about kids is Plato. Plato. All right, I'm just going to put that out there, Play-Doh. Um, we have a thing now um, that our, you know, our kids are in, they, they want to make slime. You know, I mean, it's just, it, what it, that means is over everything and everywhere. You know, glitter, bedspreads, I mean, couches, everywhere. But you think about the wonder of Play-Doh. I, I mean, you know, it's been around for so long, and you think about that wonder of being able to take something and create Make something. Make something that's usable. The the idea of using clay to make a figurine. You make it and you look at it and you go, "Eh, that's not exactly right. And you smash it up and you make something else. You do it over and over again. God crafted each one of us in his image. He made us special. He made us unique. He made us valuable. And of course, we created the problem, as we said even last week. Man... With the freedom to choose, that we're all glad we have the freedom to choose, but with that freedom to choose, we invited sin into our lives. Sin that's destructive, sin that causes so many problems, sin that that is our master if we cannot control it. But of course, when we think about what can be done because of that, God doesn't smash us up and make us into something else. What can be done about our problem? We're reminded, as we have have preached lessons on even this year or, or even the end of last year, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, it's interesting. It's not as if God takes some kind of bandage. Uh, over a wound that is caused by sin. It's not that he he like he takes another piece of clay or, or play-doh and, and kind of puts that over the blackened part of our lives or this where sin has caused so much damage. He's not merely fixing a mistake and just smashing that figure back down when we think about what has happened to our lives when we've been so corrupted by sin. Instead he makes a new person, a perfect New, fresh, sinless creature—a new you, very literally a new you. Tonight, as we kind of conclude our lesson in these thoughts and thinking about creation, Genesis one, Genesis two, uh, Genesis holds so much when it comes to creation and the wonder to think about God making all that's around us and putting it into place. But come forward to 2 Corinthians and think about the new creation that we can be. Because that's important too. That's the beauty that we sing about when it comes to some of these songs. Like we are about to sing even here in just a few moments. Leave the old you behind. The sin you behind. Embrace the new. Sinless you that God can make when you obey Christ. That's the beautiful part of becoming a Christian. You know, I think we struggle with that because, as we've said tonight, in our finite minds, we can't get past the the old things. We talk about forgiving and forgetting, but we're not very good at that. But the Creator is good at that. And He has said, I will remember them no more. I will set them aside. There can be a new you. When we think about the Creator, when we think about creation, there's hope there. I mean, how many times do we like new things, as we preached about even at the first of the year? It's great, and it's comforting, and it's exciting. Don't leave tonight with the old you, the old person, the old man of sin weighing you down. You can become new. You can be a new creature, even as Paul talks about there in 2 Corinthians 5. Maybe you're here, and you need to do that. You need to become a Christian, rising up out of that watery grave as we've said, not getting the dirt off your skin. You don't rise new because you're clean and the, the, the dirt's off your skin. The sin is out of your life. And you rise up because you are coming out of the grave, just as Jesus did, to walk in newness of life. You can do that tonight. Or you can come back to Him. Again, laying off the sin. Laying off the old. Confessing sin. Repenting of that sin. And God is faithful to forgive you, even this evening. Maybe you're here tonight, and as you think about the wonderful Creator, you want to have the right relationship with Him, either by becoming a Christian or coming back to Him even this evening. Would you make a change if you need to do so as we stand together and as we sing?